So I spent this last week at home in bed with the flu. How did you spend your week? Hopefully it was better than mine. Uh, but while I was at home with the flu, I, uh, I found out something. I actually found out that men have an excuse for acting like babies when they're sick. It, it, it's all true. It's all, been, it's all been documented in a study published in Brain Behavior and Immunity. And here's what they found out. When they injected male mice with bacteria that caused flu-like illnesses, it seemed to cause the male mice to become even more sick than the female mice when they had the same bacteria given to them. Plus, they had this large fluctuation in, in body temperature and inflammation and, and fever. I mean, this just proves it, right? We're not big babies. We're not babies at all. We, we are just more prone to illness than others are. It's a weakness that we have. And we're sorry that we have to go and, and hibernate in our, in our own little man cave area and, and how that the, the smallest little cold causes us just to, to shut down and need around-the-clock intensive care. We know that that many of you women, you soldier on with great dignity whenever you are, whenever you are feeling ill. And we wish that we could be like you, but, but we're not babies. We're not like this guy right here. Okay, maybe too soon for some of you Super Bowl Patriot fans. You know, I'm okay with the fact that I have a temporary body. I get that. God reminded me of that uh, this week. He reminded me that uh, I can't do the things that I used to be able to, like bounce back. I went to the doctor and as this nice young woman was taking my temperature and going through all the steps, she said, well, you know at your age. <laughs> I thought, my age? What does my age have to do with anything, right? Um, oh, God has a way. God has a way of showing his, his sense of humor. And even though my stamina might go, even though my hair seems to be leaving quickly, I hope always to retain my vision. No, not the ones that need glasses in order to read scripture these days. But what the Bible calls walking by faith. Any of you want to have that type of vision? Where no matter how old you get, no matter what ripe old age you live to see, your vision of God is clear. It is distinct. It is well-defined. You see, as long as I keep my vision, then I am going to keep growing no matter how old I get, and so will this church. You know, we just wrapped up our 72nd year of what we call the East Brainerd Church of Christ. 72 years of impact. 
72 years of, of teaching and serving and, and disciple making. Now, some might look at us and say, well, you know what? I, I hardly recognize you some 72 years later. Do you know that in 1946, when the East Brainerd Church of Christ was birthed, a gallon of gas was 16 cents. Today, I saw it was 190 as we were pulling in. The U.S. population in 1946 was 152 million. It is now more than doubled to over 300 million within our borders. Frank Sinatra and Perry Como crooned on the radio. And tonight, if you tune into the halftime show of the Super Bowl, you can watch Maroon 5, Travis Scott, and Big Boy. They're going to be performing. And those of you who remember Frank Sinatra and Perry Como, you can decide how music has progressed. English Prime Minister Winston Churchill coined the phrase the Iron Curtain in 1946 to talk about the reach of communism in Eastern Europe. Today the Iron Curtain has fallen into the history books and fears focus on ISIS and terrorism and, and global warming. In 1946, 35 souls worshipped at East Brainerd Elementary School. And today, we have a membership of over 1,000. A lot has changed in 72 years. You've probably heard how churches across America and Christians across America have become stagnant. How that they have stalled and how that they have plateaued. For the last month, all during 2019, we have been asking a question together. We've been saying, what if, as we look at our congregation? Because we recognize that churches, like any kind of organizations, have natural life cycles. At birth, the organization starts up enthusiastically with a reason for existence and, and gathering resources, that being people and, and money. And there's a mission that the people are on. And there is an excitement that just begins to, to build. As the organization stabilizes, there is growth that begins to take place. In fact, you can see on this next slide how that you begin to, to go up for growth and maturity and it's a time where others are wanting to join in your cause and wanting to be a part of what it is that you are doing. The organization stabilizes, it, stab it, it settles into its routines and it has a good run for a number of years. And these stages of birth and vitality and equilibrium shown here on our chart by growth and, and maturity usually take place over one generation. You see, if a church makes it past the first seven years of its existence, it averages a lifespan of 70 to 80 years. You see, given time, those young families who help get the young church off the ground their children grow up and their parents grow old. Fifty years later, those twenty-somethings become seventy-somethings. And the adult children, they've all gone and, and scattered to the winds because of the mobile globalization of the world. 
The economic engine that keeps the organized church running slowly begins to grind to a halt unless the church happens to be in an area where the kids want to move back to and, and live and, and raise their families. But you know what? Even if the town is viable, there is no guarantee that the church will be. The church enters into a, a fourth stage, this, this maintenance, and then finally into decline and, and death. You see, over time, it's just a matter of time, the organization's systems and processes begin to falter, and, and they just don't work like the good old days. And things just aren't like they used to be anymore. And particularly everything it seems around the organization or in our circumstance, the church, it seems like everything is changing and the organization either innovates and ends up finding new ways to do things in the new world, in the new environment, or it implodes. And it finds itself spending most of its time and energy on insurmountable problems and using up way more energy on infighting than actual innovating. You see, if the church fails to innovate, resources get used up and inevitably the congregation, well, it just begins to shut down. It just begins to close its doors. And many of you, you know this. Because you're sitting here today because places that you have worshipped in the past no longer exist. Or perhaps congregations that birthed your faith Congregations where you cut your teeth on the church pews. Those places. Even though they might not be in this town, you look back and you realize they're only a shell of what they once were, even if they are still open. You see, at East Prater, we find ourselves in a unique moment of time. Our congregation of 72 years is poised to enter into a natural period of decline. Now while this is expected, it is not inevitable. And this is why we've been talking over the last month about what if, what if. You see, churches can circumvent the coming death and decline. But this circumvention requires the congregation to rebirth itself. It requires a rebirth where the congregation steps away from its previous track and enters onto a new cycle. God's story continues throughout human history from generation to generation. It just looks different from generation to generation. You see, here at East Brainerd, we believe that God has a mission for his church. And it is our responsibility to align ourselves to that mission. Because with proper alignment, there comes passion and motivation and direction and purpose that is able to carry the East Brainerd Church on this great wave of faith and allow us to seek 72 more years of ministry. You know, more than just words, what I'm talking about is a vision that our elders share for this church family. On your glory, praise, and honor that you received as you are coming in. You'll notice there on the front in a, in a nice little box. You'll see what our elders envision for the future of East Brainerd. It says, we envision the East Brainerd Church to be an intergenerational, 
a multicultural family of disciples who relevantly engage our community with the grace and good news of Jesus Christ. This is the vision of our leadership for our congregation. Not just for 2019, but for the years that are to come. As we seek to, in many ways, rebirth in order to keep from going down and continuing on that natural cycle of mediocrity and, and decline. Now, now let me define some of the words that are there because they are very intentional. And our leadership wants to make sure that you understand what is being shared with you. Uh, the first one is the word intergenerational. Our elders envision that we will be a mixture of young and old. You see, during the last 100 years, steady changes have occurred in society that have separated families and segregated age groups. And there are far less regular and structured interactions between old and young now than, than ever before. And it's actually within faith community like ours where you have one of the few places where families and singles and couples and children and teens and, and grandparents and all generations come together on a regular interacting basis. Yet the trends of society have also been able to impact the way that, that churches spend time with one another. The way we group together. You see, church leaders use phrases like the body of Christ or the family of God. But in practice, American churches generally conduct many of their services and activities in segregated settings. Consequently, here we said in 2019, and all generations of faith communities are seldom together. And yet we are one church with five generations. Do you realize that? One church, five generations. We've got the silent generation, the boomers, the busters, the millennials, the Gen Zs, whatever names you want to call them. We've got people from all types of the spectrum who have experienced so many different things within their life. And let's be honest, older generations in churches often feel that church leadership cater too much to the young, while younger generations in churches believe that church leadership acquiesce too often to the old. What's to be done? Our leadership doesn't see it as an either-or situation. Our leadership is committed to fulfilling the vision of God that we will be a mixture of young and old disciples united around a common mission. For nobody, no matter your age, is left behind. Because we are one family. We are one people. And we have one Savior. There's another word that we want to make sure you understand. It's the idea of being multicultural. The vision that God has for East Brainerd is obvious as you look around and if you've been here over the last few years. The intention is to be a mosaic of cultures. God desires for his peace to be known across cultural boundaries. And I think it's the imagery that's put forth in the book of Revelation that, that gives a glimpse as to what God desires for his kingdom here on earth. 
The text says there was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb. Chattanooga is home to so many different cultures. And while our past is very monochromatic, our future is a mixture of vibrant color. And we look forward to the day where we are even more cultural than we are today. You read on and you see that that intergenerational multicultural family is going to be a group of disciples. Where we're going to be followers of, of Jesus Christ. It is going to be his truth is revealed in his life and through his word that we are going to focus our lives by. We are going to be students who learn and practice the ethos and the ethic of our teacher so that more and more we resemble our Savior and we look less and less like ourselves. We do this so that we might be able to relevantly engage the culture in which we live in. You see, we believe that our practices need to speak the language of our culture. Because if we do not speak the language of our culture, then they will not be able to hear our message about Jesus Christ. And so with all relevance, we desire to engage and be active and not passive in our outreach. You see, our church family serves as a conduit to grace. And that's why we've said before that, you know what, everything we do, everything we do from the parking lot to the coffee that we share together during full cup, to the lessons that we teach in the prisons, to our small group gatherings, to our monetary givings, everything we do should all be done with the intent of walking someone across the bridge of grace and moving them closer to Jesus Christ. Because that's what we're to be about. It's not about us. It's about the community. It's about the community and that's the idea where our focus is going to be on those who are outside of our church walls. From those who are across the street to those who are around the, the globe. We take serious the idea of the Apostle Paul of becoming all things to all people so that all possible means we might be able to save some. The church exists not for itself but for those who have yet to experience the good news and grace of Jesus. And so that's why we will go into the community with a message of grace. We will lead with mercy so that we might be the place of second, third, and fourth chances. Knowing that our righteousness is found in Jesus Christ and not in ourselves. And this good news that we speak, this gospel... It is a message of restoration where we go and we are able to interact and share about a Savior who offers healing and restoration because we believe that the answer for all that ails the world is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And because we believe that, then it is He 
It will be, a, it will be our message. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writes to the church and he says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and a new life has begun and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people for him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And Paul says, look, he gave us the message of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation so that we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. He says that's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be church. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To gain a glimpse of God's vision. That being to have a relationship and be in harmony with all creation. And that vision of God is fueled by his unquenchable love and it's achieved through his restorative mission. And as the children of God, we have been called to actively participate in his redemptive efforts. And so our elders, as they look out over our congregation, they want to be able to place before you a vision that you can see and a vision that you can grasp and a vision that you can hold to and a vision that will give you direction as to the life that you live and the God that you serve. I like the, the wording that Chris Wright, author of The Mission of God, uses when he talks about this idea. He says, it is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission. God's mission. Have you ever thought that you were a part of that? That by stepping over the line, that by giving your heart to Jesus Christ, that by saying, yes, I am trusting him for my salvation, that he is the one and only son of God, that you gave yourself over to a mission that was greater than you, that will outlast you, and that will impact people that you have never even met before. That is the calling of the people of God. It's the calling for the East Brainerd Church of Christ. Now in a few minutes, I'm going to share with you what God's mission means for Chattanooga. And I usually don't get up this early and talk for this long, but I've been sick all week. I haven't talked to anybody. In truthfulness... Today's message could be one of, if not the most important, that I've shared in the eight and a half years that I have been privileged to be before you. And in a few moments, we're going to have our little kids. They're going to go out to Kids Praise and We Worship, and some of our volunteers are going to be going with them. And our leadership did not want for you to miss out on hearing about the vision I want everybody who was here to be able to at least get a snapshot. And if you're going to be leaving here in a few minutes and 
working with our children. We thank you for that and we pray for you right now. And we ask that you go online and you pull up our podcast and listen to part two. Won't be as long as part one. But you listen to the things that are going to be shared here next. But before any of that, how about we center ourselves around the constant that has always been present in our assemblies? You know, for centuries, the people of God have gained strength to fulfill the mission of God by sharing in the communion with God. Whether the location was in a home or in a cave or in a cathedral, whether the songs were chanted, whether they were whispered or shouted, no matter the time or place, bread and cup have always been what have centered God's people. So why don't we allow it to do the same for us today? As we contemplate our future, let's reconnect with our past and receive strength for the mission ahead. Derek, why don't you lead us in a couple of songs? Perhaps you noticed how well-dressed Derek was today, sporting his new Fort Chattanooga t-shirt. You'll see that on uh, different staff members, different volunteers here uh, this morning. Uh, You see the uh, banner that's here behind me. There's also one out in our foyer area. has the same uh, logo on it. Uh, We encourage you to get your picture made in front of any of these, either the one here on the stage or the one out in uh, the foyer. If you'd like a Fort Chattanooga uh, sweatshirt or uh, long sleeve tee, we encourage you uh, to pick one of those up at our Connect Center as well. Um, As always, with the different um, things that we sell, it's uh, for the purpose of creating conversation, wanting people to say, um, what's Fort Chattanooga? And giving you the opportunity uh, to say, um, God is for Chattanooga. Jesus Christ is for Chattanooga. You see, here's the deal, folks. We want to partner with God to make sure that Chattanooga is the hardest place to get to hell from. All right? That's what we want to do. Chattanooga has a population just under 180,000. When you go out from there, from Chattanooga proper, and include the different surrounding areas, you get close to 200,000. When you include some of the counties in Georgia and then go into Sequatchie, that Chattanooga metro statistic that's oftentimes quoted, you're talking about some 500,000 people that live here. And let me tell you, God loves every single one of them. He does. And and he needs for you to share that message. He needs for you to partner with those who are already out sharing that message. You might have heard before that, that Chattanooga, depending on the year, is either the number one or the number two Bible city, church going city in the south and in the country, right? Guess what? God still doesn't have enough workers in the harvest field. He still needs for you to talk at school. He still needs for your relationship at home to allow the Holy Spirit to work. He still needs for you to to get up the courage to live your faith 
in the workplace. He still needs you. He needs you for, for Chattanooga. And it is the vision of this congregation that we would be men, women, young, old, black, white, brown, every color and language, all in between. That we would be a people on mission. A people with a purpose and a people with a passion who have but, but one desire. And that is to see the kingdom become reality here in our town. That the values of the kingdom of God might be seen among the people in this place. The values of the kingdom of God influence the schools and the homes and the government settings and the public sphere. And that only happens as the people of God allow the Spirit of God to work through them. The vision that you have there on your glory, praise, and honor, it's something that is going to be kept before you. We're going to be talking a lot about it in the coming weeks. Uh, you're going to hear that there are six values that will be protecting this vision. I'm not going to talk about all those values today. That'll come at another time. What I do want to kind of close things with today, though, is kind of, kind of an idea on how, how do we fulfill the, the vision that, that is laid out? How do we see that accomplished? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, he has a, a very interesting statement that he makes. He's writing in the context of how that when he showed up in Corinth, he, he didn't come with any kind of human wisdom and he didn't come with a lot of flash. In fact, when you read the letters that Paul writes to the Corinthian church, you see that oftentimes he is having to, he is having to back up his cred and say, look, I am an apostle and, and here is why you should listen and because apparently Paul was not that great of an order. He was not that great of a guy to look at. He was not somebody that when you saw him, you thought, oh man, he is this awesome disciple. But here's what he says. Verse 2, chapter 2. He says, I resolved. Now he uses a word here that means that a choice was made. And a choice was made after considering many different options. That a separation had occurred. It was a, a word that was used oftentimes for a legal judgment. That after a judge had considered multiple statements, after a judge had looked at multiple outcomes, a decision was then made. And so he says, I resolved, I chose to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now I like the way that the New Living Translation words this because I think it gets at the heart of the meaning of the word where it says, I decided that while I was with you I would forget everything except Jesus Christ. 
Paul said, I had a choice of a lot of things that I could know when I was in your presence. There's a lot of things that I could talk about. There's a lot of things that I could impress you with. There were a lot of things that I could be known for, but I laid them all out on the table, and this one thing I chose, Jesus Christ. He said, that's what, I, that's what I'm known for. And so, if you're asking yourself, and you're looking and saying, you know what, this is, this is a great vision, Chris. All right, this, this is great that we look down the road and we say, this is the congregation of people that we desire to be. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, it's going to mean that we're going to have to agree to have one mission. One. And that is to move people toward a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, what is the East Brainerd Church about? What is your mission? What are you here for? What do you exist to accomplish? One thing, move people toward a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. And that wording is intentional. Because a movement needs to take place no matter if the person already has a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. That movement could be someone who is in your sphere of influence who has never decided that Jesus truly is who he claimed to be as a son of God. And they need to move a step closer to that understanding. It could also be a movement to take place within someone who is right now within the sound of my voice. Someone who has been, quote, in church for many years. And yet, you know what? You still need to move closer to Jesus, don't you? And what are we about as a church? Moving people toward a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. From Genesis on to Revelation, the theme of restoration continues just to flow out of its pages. Where God is a restorative God. There's a reason that you and I are nostalgic for Eden. For we long again for that time where there is oneness between us and the Father. And God desires for that for his creation and all things that are living. And so what are we about? One mission, move people toward a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. And that restoration could come when it, it could come in the form of a marriage that's being healed. It could come in the form of sexuality being wrestled with. It can come in the form of addictions being overcome. It can come in the form of, of anger being put aside. It can come in the form of passivity being being moved and pushed through. So many different ways that as we move closer to Jesus and we begin to take on that ethos and the ethic of the teacher that things begin to change and life becomes restored. And if you've never tried living your life in the pattern of Jesus Christ and you've tried all kinds of other things then let me ask you this. Will you not for at least this year in 2019 try? Just give it a try. Give it a try living your life in the pattern of Jesus Christ. And see if there's not restoration. One mission that we have together. And two passions. Two passions where we're going to love God and share his grace. 
So why do you do the things that you do at East Prainer? Because we love God and we're going to share his grace with those who are around us. Why, why do you have the ministries that you have? Well, we have one mission and we're trying to move people closer in a restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. But, but why, why, do you, why do you want more and more people to be involved? Because we have two passions. And it's just love God and share His grace. What is it that you get excited about as a church member at East Brainerd? We get excited about God and sharing that grace. That's what we get excited about. Well, what is it that you get upset about as a church member at East Brainerd? We get upset when we see that people aren't loving God and aren't sharing His grace. Because we have two passions. Paul said, I chose, I could, I, I could be anything when I was with you, but I chose to only know Jesus when I was in your midst. Two passions, love God, share his grace. Jesus would put it this way when asked what the greatest commandment was. Remember? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He would say the second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Share his grace. What do I do when I'm a new Christian? You love God. You share his, his grace. What about now that I'm a college student and I'm out and I'm trying to figure out life on my own. I'm trying to figure out what I believe and what I'm going to do. What do I focus on? You love God. You share his grace. Well, the kids are now grown and, and I'm an empty nester and I'm trying to figure out, all right, where, where do I focus now? You love God, you share his grace. What do I do to try to bring a more Christ-like atmosphere to my workplace? You love God, you share his grace. Well, what, what do I do to bring healing within my small group? You love God, you share his grace. Two passions that will ignite you. And then there are three expectations. Three expectations that speak to the discipleship that we want to have modeled here within our congregation. We try to make it easy. ABC. Adore God, belong to a family, and, and care for the community. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what? I would love to be a part of a church that has a vision to reach its city for Christ. I want to be a part of that. What, what, what can I do? You can love God. You can share His grace. When you want to partner and be on the, the one mission of bringing people into a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ, and in order to help prepare you for that, then we're going to ask that, that you adore God. And here's what we mean by that. We want to grow worshipers here at East Brainerd. We want to grow worshipers. Well, we don't just want to welcome worshipers in each and every week. We want to grow worshipers where that this, the time that we spend together each Sunday, the time that we're together on Mondays or Tuesdays in some classes, the time that we're together on Wednesdays, all of these are just opportunities to recharge your spiritual battery. It's kind of like that phone that you left on your nightstand last night. And you plugged it into the wall so they'll be ready to go this morning. The times that we come together, moments just like this, these are meant in order to recharge you so that tomorrow, so that this afternoon, so that tonight, in the midst of the Super Bowl, when Tom's acting like a crybaby and you're wanting to throw something at the television, that you know what? You're saying, you know what? No, that's not, I'm going to adore God. We want you to be a worshiper. 
And so, yeah, we want you to be here. And the times that we're together, we're going to do our best to uplift you and to recharge you. But we want you to understand something. Your Christianity is not about the hour that we spend in this room. It's not about it. Your worship is not confined to this room. And we want to raise worshipers who are worshiping 24-7. And so, if you say, hey, I want to be a part of this vision, great. They want you to adore God, and we want you to belong to a family. This is a large congregation. As I mentioned, that we've gone from just under 50 people in 1946 to over 1,000 who call East Brainerd home now. And it's difficult to get connected. And so, we encourage you to be a part of our EB groups, as they're known. Everything from our traditional Sunday school groups that we have. They're going to meet here in just a few moments to different groups that meet in homes, groups that end up going out and running together, groups that end up serving together. We have opportunities here for you to be a part of smaller, intimate settings with other individuals who are in similar life settings, individuals who have gone through circumstances that maybe you are facing right now. And we want to put you in those type of settings. We want you to belong to a family. We want you to be a part of one of those groups. Not just coming and getting your battery charged so that you can adore God, but so that you can be a part of the church family and feel connected so that you might be able to be encouraged towards love and good deeds as we're reminded in Hebrews because we want together to be able to care for the community there's so many different service opportunities that we have here where when the synergy of all of our membership comes together there's some awesome things that we're able to do it's already been mentioned how that we're going to be packing over 6,000 bags of food this Wednesday and that's an incredible thing But the care for the community is not just about the ministry that you're involved in here as a church. It's about what your family is doing. It's about what you are doing. It's about how your EB group is, yes, getting together on a smaller scale. It's not just about the large things that we do, but it's about having a mind for the people, having a heart for those who are here in Chattanooga. One mission, two passions. Three expectations. And the whole idea, guys, is that we'll move one step closer to Jesus. I've had a lot of things to say today. And maybe that's the best way to kind of wrap it up. Is to ask you to join the leadership of this church family and move one more step. One more step closer to Jesus Christ. You say, why would I do that? We have one mission for Chattanooga. We have two passions for Chattanooga. We have three expectations for Chattanooga. You see, 72 years ago, 35 men and women saw God's vision for this area. And over the years, others have had their eyes and their hearts open to just how much God could do. And God has brought people from all kinds of different places with so many different gifts. But can you envision God doing even more? 
You see, in the years to come, many of us are going to lose our health. And we're going to lose our stamina. And some of us are going to lose our hair. But may we never lose our vision of what God can do through a people who take one step closer to Jesus. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe your step is to admit your faith in who Jesus is. Actually allow him to claim sovereignty over your life. Maybe that step for you is to walk down the steps into the baptistry that's behind me, being baptized into Christ. Maybe that step for you is to come before this body saying, you know what? I've so been off mission. I've so lost my passion. And I have so little expectation. Maybe that one step for you is to leave this place and to go find that neighbor, go find that friend, go find that coworker, and say, listen, I got something I want to talk to you about. One mission, one passion, three expectations for Chattanooga. Will you join God in making Chattanooga the hardest place to go to hell from? Will you stand with me and praise him?